Get ready to step into scripture with Tina. Hey everyone, welcome to Step Into Scripture. My name is Tina Wilson. I'm a pastor's wife and a mom of seven. Alongside my husband, Matt, I've committed my life to serving King Jesus as a church planter, a Bible teacher, an author, and an advocate for all-in family ministry. Our whole family loves serving Christ Church all together, and something that I am very passionate about is reading the entire Bible, letting the whole thing connect and draw us closer to God's redemptive plan that He has for our lives. That's what this podcast is dedicated to, and so together with my friend Stacy, we walk through Scripture every week, and Stacy, if you would, go ahead and introduce yourself too. Yeah, I'm happy to. So my name is Stacy Vines. Tina and I have been stepping through scripture for um, over a decade now, and it has been an absolute joy in my life um, and in my walk with God. I too fly the banner of reading the Bible from start to finish over and over with an open-ended commitment uh, to allowing God to transform our lives by His Word from start to finish. Um, alongside my husband, we are small business owners and nonprofit uh, planters here in our community. We've been a part of Ecclesia since its conception, and I'm thrilled to be a part of this, to step through scripture with all of you in this season. Now for this season in our podcast, we are answering questions that are submitted to us by listeners and viewers using just scripture. What does the Bible say about this? And I want to read you the question that was posed this week. What do you tell people when they say all we have to do is accept salvation and we make it to heaven? What about all the scriptures that say you will not see the kingdom if you're not transformed or living a holy life? Mm -hmm. Great question. Mm -hmm. So for this episode, we are going to step through scripture and understand what the Bible says is the difference between acceptance and transformation. Perfect. Right? So to begin, we are going to go to probably the best known scripture in the world sure. about believing or accepting Christ, accepting the gospel, and that's John 3.16. And that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So that's pretty straight and to the point, right? Mm-hmm. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will have eternal life. Just accept salvation is what that seems to be saying. And that's the question. Do we just have to accept salvation Mm -hmm. or is there some kind of transformation that's required? So to get to our answer, here's what we need to do. And we need to do this for everything related to the Bible. Sure. Move beyond just isolated memory verse theology and actually seek out the context, read entire chapters, entire books of the Bible to get a better picture of what's being said here. Yeah. So we want to look at where we find this John 3.16 memory verse that so many of us know. We've memorized it since childhood, and we want to see the whole conversation that was happening here to get the context. So John 3.16 was a statement that Jesus made in a conversation he was having with a man named Nicodemus. Mm -hmm. And we're going to read that whole conversation to start us off. So we're going to John chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 1, and then read all the way down to our memory verse, verse 16. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Mm -hmm. 
Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, Mm -hmm. and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How will you believe when I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the man, Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right. So this is a really interesting conversation, and it's one where if we don't know the Old Testament, mm-hmm. we're going to struggle to discern what Jesus is even talking about here. Yeah. So another hat tip to reading the entire Bible. Yeah, you'll miss how intimate and how precious this conversation yes. actually is. Yeah, you've got to know that to, mm-hmm. to be informed here. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and, and the question here is, do we just have to believe, just to accept, or do we have to be transformed? And Nicodemus comes, and he definitely believes some things about Jesus. Mm-hmm. For example, in verse 2, he says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. Right. So he believes Jesus has been sent by God. And yet that belief or acknowledgement of Jesus' identity That wasn't enough Mm -hmm. by itself. He needed, Jesus said, to be born again. So that's what's required to be part of Jesus' kingdom because to Nicodemus' confession of Jesus, you have come from God. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, Jesus is telling him what he has to do to be part of the kingdom, and that's interesting because Nicodemus would have certainly considered himself part of God's kingdom. Oh, yeah. He was a circumcised Jew. He followed the law of Moses, and Jesus even called him Israel's teacher. Right. Right? So it must have seemed like a radical idea for Jesus to tell Nicodemus, there's something more that you need to do here. You've acknowledged me, but you need to be born again. So then Nicodemus asked this question, well, how can someone enter a second time into their mother's womb? Um, He probably didn't mean that literally, right? Jesus says, you're Israel's teacher. Nicodemus is not an idiot. Right. He's, He's expressing, though, something that we probably often feel. Mm -hmm. How is it possible to start all over? Yeah. How is it possible to have dedicated my whole life to something and now start again? Because Nicodemus' whole life would have been dedicated to the customs of the Jews as Israel's teacher. So how could he start all over? And I think as we consider acceptance versus transformation, this is a relevant question for us to ask What have we committed Mm -hmm. our whole lives to that makes it seem unthinkable to us that we could start again, Right, that we could just be born again and do something completely new? Because at some point in in our lives, we've all probably sat in Nicodemus's place Mm -hmm. where we're going, how how can I start again when I'm so far down this road in this direction? Mm -hmm. So Jesus answers, how can you do that? 
He says in verse 5, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Mm -hmm. So now we're getting into some Old Testament references, and we've got to know the Old Testament to understand this. So some would suggest that to be born of water is referencing the natural birth that one goes through when you are born from your mother's womb. And to be born of spirit means the spiritual regeneration that God accomplishes. But when we know the Old Testament, we recognize that this is not the first time we Mm -hmm. see a pairing of water and spirit in the scripture. See, Jesus was speaking of a cleansing of the heart that was going to accompany this restoration that all the Old Testament prophets had talked about. Ezekiel described that very restoration, what Jesus was going to do, and he described it in terms of water and spirit. Right. So let's look at that. Ezekiel 36, verses 24 to 28. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and put you back in your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Mm -hmm. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws." Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. Mm -hmm. So the Jews, including Nicodemus, they would have understood that the pairing of water and spirit pointed toward a new birth, right? this new thing that God was going to accomplish. So when Jesus says, whoever believes in him Mm -hmm. will have eternal life, what he's describing here in the context of this whole conversation is nothing less than a complete transformation. Right. And so believing in Jesus, like John 3.16 describes, is more than acceptance. It's more than just an acknowledgement. That's the question we're answering. Do I just have to accept truth about Jesus? But in this best known memory verse Mm -hmm. about how we attain salvation, Jesus is giving this in the context of a larger conversation with someone who has already Mm -hmm. acknowledged, Mm -hmm. has already accepted that he came from God. And he's still saying to him, you have to be born again. You need a whole new life. New life requires new birth. A heart of stone has to become a heart of flesh. And that's what it means to be part of God's kingdom. The truth is it's not just an easy believism. No. It is a complete rebirth. Right. So that conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus, we can we can piggyback on and see Jesus and his disciples in the New Testament having a conversation or going through events in their ministry that lend to this conversation of, is it acceptance or is it acceptance and then transformation? Is there more to come when I when I when I think about that passage of Jesus and Nicodemus I think of and now that we're moving into Jesus and his disciples I think of one disciple in particular uh, Peter and Peter recalls this idea of being born again in his first letter he writes in the very beginning of his letter first Peter chapter 1 beginning in verse 3 he says blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith 
for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Mm -hmm. So Peter also, who like Nicodemus, would have heard Jesus say these things about being born again and water and spirit and all of their heritage, all of the Old Testament things that we read and cherish today, these bells would have been going off. Oh, this is our inheritance. This is our salvation. This is our new creation, our our being reborn. Peter, in this conversation that he's having, continues on to talk about the transformation. And in chapter 3, he recalls that heritage for the Jews and how Israel was brought safely through the water, yeah. being baptized and being remade and cleansed through the, through the Red Sea when they were brought out yeah. in, the, in the story of the Exodus. And so we read this and we may miss the beauty of what Jesus is actually saying because we're not making the connections. We're not familiar with this conversation as they were. Uh, But as we read the whole thing, as we step through Scripture uh, piece by piece and we allow it to come together the way it was designed to come together, we read the whole chapter of John chapter 3 and we go, oh, I see it, Lord. I see what you were doing with water and spirit. I understand that I can be transformed. I can see the kingdom of God. And here's how we do it. And so next that what we're going to move through is an opportunity where Jesus opens this same door for his disciples to see, oh, this is what you're talking about. This is what you're doing. And so it looks like um, an account that we thought was relevant to this discussion. And it's when Jesus miraculously feeds the 5,000. So after he received the word that King Herod had killed his forerunning prophet, John the Baptist, who Jesus dearly loved, Jesus invites his disciples to come to a quiet place and to rest. Even when they arrived um, at their place of respite, Jesus continued to model compassion for the people in the midst of dealing with his own grief over the loss of John. Right. And so in this account, we're going to read from the book of Mark, chapter 6, verses 34 to 44. Starting in verse 34, it says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began teaching many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. But they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So Jesus is empowering his disciples to do kingdom work, right? To serve the people. And prior to him multiplying this, he said to them quite specifically, you give them something to eat. Jesus calls us, even even to Peter after after the resurrection, he says, feed my sheep. He gives us a call to serve um, once we have entered into this relationship with him. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much money on bread to give to them? The disciples 
would have seen more than the scriptures can contain of what Jesus was able to do and what he did do in his earthly ministry. So they believed. They got to walk along and talk along with Jesus in his journey. And, And their initial response is not too far off of a response we saw in Moses in the Old Testament when he was given a command to serve the people. And we'll look back at that and we'll allow these two to come together. It says that we see Moses' reaction to this invitation by God to serve the people that he was leading in Numbers chapter 11. God has instructed Moses to feed the people. And here is Moses' response. And check how similar it is to the disciples. Again, a group that walked along and talked along with Jesus, Moses, who stood in the presence and actually glowed and shone because of his his time in the presence of God. Here's his response. Numbers chapter 11, verses 21 to 22. But Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot. And you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if the flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? So Moses isn't really saying, is there enough fish in the sea? Is there enough meat to actually feed them? He is responding with his frustration to their inability to be satisfied. Yeah. So he is expressing to God, I have a quarrel with these people and their inability to be satisfied. So just to compare the disciples' reaction to Jesus' command to serve, they accept and believe in the miracle that Jesus can do. Moses accepts and believes in the power of God to bring them into the promised land. So let's look back at where we started and see what Jesus did after this miracle and this feeding of the 5,000. Right after feeding that crowd, Jesus sends his disciples into the boat while he goes off alone to pray, which I love that characteristic of Jesus. And as they struggle to control the boat in in a very strong wind, a, a storm blows up on the sea. Jesus came to them walking on the water. He got into the boat and then the wind ceased. Yeah. And here is their surprising response. Here's what they say, another response from the disciples. Mark chapter six, verse 51 to 52. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. So similar to Moses, we look back at Moses when he questions God's ability to provide meat for the Israelites in the wilderness to meet the need of an unsatisfiable people. He says in Numbers 11, 23, The Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. Both conversations, both events of Jesus and God with his, whether it's with Moses or with his disciples, required their belief. But here in these situations, exampled in the disciples, they failed to recognize who Jesus was, similar to how Moses failed to recognize that God's arm and his reach is not too short. What he says will come to pass. Even though Jesus was discipling them through his teaching and his lifestyle to have a total faith in God, some of the disciples revert back to self-reliance. And we do the same thing. So what does this teach us in this conversation about acceptance and transformation, right? I think we've already come to the footing of it's both, yeah. right? I think scripture has been very clear so far in the, in the small amount that we've unpacked already yeah. that acceptance alone 
is not sufficient. Right. I think our conversation uh, that we looked at with Jesus and Nicodemus answered that. And now what we see with Jesus and his disciples and even God and Moses in the Old Testament, I think also answers that. We should never become complacent about exercising our faith and growing in our knowledge of the Lord. Because if our eyes and our hearts are not constantly set on the Savior, then we are going to be prone to revert back to our own self-reliance. We're going to question, God, how can I start over? How can this even be possible? How can I be born again? How can your arm reach this far? We will respond in this conversation that we are all having with Jesus today in the same way, reverting back to our self-reliance. And how can I feed your people? Sure. How can I deliver this to anyone? I and love that. And especially to the masses. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. What does that look like today to serve and, and be a part of a miracle of feeding the 5,000 yeah. today? Because it happens all the time. It does. Every single day in the kingdom. And we will see it when we are born again and when we are, are transformed after our acceptance. Yeah. Right? Okay. So we're going to unpack from the other view of this conversation What was the crowd's take on this miracle and on Jesus and his disciples? So we're going to look at that from the lens of the disciple John, specifically in chapter 6. But in his account of this exact same event of Jesus feeding the 5,000, walking on water, we get even more insight to how spiritually dull many people who encountered Jesus really were. So similar to Nicodemus, Jesus is saying, You are the teacher of Israel. Do you not understand these things? All that they were looking for was right before them, and they were just missing it. It's like the light just wasn't quite bright enough. Jesus has sent his disciples into the boat. The storm blows up. Jesus walks on water. He comes out to them. The storm has ceased. And here's what John chapter 6 says happens when when the crowd finds him on the other side of the lake. It says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? So here, Jesus made an accusation and a challenge in a response to the crowd. They're saying, when did you get here? He says, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you for on him. God, the father has placed the seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work of God that he requires? And Jesus answered him, answered them, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So there's a lot right there in that initial meeting of those, of the crowd on the other side of the sea, after the miracle, after the calming of the sea, Jesus gives out this accusation and this call that that we have a response. There is a belief, there is an acceptance. Um, And they're saying, Jesus is telling them, you don't believe in me because you saw that. You believe in me because I gave you your fill. Right. You got something out of it. Satisfaction came to you. So acceptance and belief is there for them. So the question is, or the reality is, they didn't really believe in him. They believed that he could do miracles, but they didn't believe in him to be transformed by that belief. They had witnessed with their own eyes, but saving faith 
is more than that. It's more than believing that God can give you the things that you desire and then following him for personal gain. Later in the chapter, John chapter six, verses 30 to 40. All right, so starting in verse 30, so they said to him, them being the crowd, then what sign do you do What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness as it is written, and they quote there, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but the father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. See, they're ready to accept what he has to give them, this earthly, monetary, self-fulfilling gift that they want from him. Oh, sir, give this to us always. But Jesus says to them, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that has been given to me, but raise it up on the last day. And he says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. So with that breakfast meal still on their mind, the miracle that just took place still very present, they're asking, what can we do to have this bread every day? Jesus corrects them in saying, because they said, God gave, Moses gave us manna in the wilderness, talking about their ancestors, and they want this bread every day. They want it always. They want God to meet their immediate need. And Jesus corrects them in saying, God gave that manna from heaven and I am the true bread from heaven that God is the provider of all things. Though he sent Moses to be their deliverer for their physical needs for the nation of Israel at that time, now he had sent Jesus to be the deliverer of our spiritual renewal, our being born again, seeing the kingdom of heaven, the renewal of the whole world. And this is what they needed to believe in. That was to do the work that God required. The more that Jesus taught, the more uncomfortable the crowd became, the more discontent the people grew until they were grumbling and arguing and many of them turned back. And on hearing what Jesus said, verse 60 through 60 and 66 in chapter six of, in chapter six of John, it says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now we're going to see some of them show back up and want more immediate fulfillment from Jesus. But just to sit here for a second, I think that we do this. Maybe you did this at the start of this podcast when we're going through and unpacking the whole conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus. Maybe you're going, that's a hard teaching. That's not, I've never heard that before. I've yeah. never read that before. No one's ever told me that before. And then we look at this being moving past belief, moving past acceptance, and we might say, oh, that is hard. Who can follow that? Yeah. But that's not a new question that's been asked. Right. Jesus was faced with this. 
the people who rejected that teaching in John chapter six, they did follow him. They, they, they showed up and found him in Capernaum, but only because they wanted him to perform more miracles right. for, for them. And we can fall into that cycle too. We can become so passionate about God while we are experiencing the blessings and the joy that he brings because yeah. he showers it on all people. Yeah. Those who have been transformed and those who haven't been right. transformed. It's his way of wooing us. And if we aren't careful to obey scriptures and to stay in scripture, to abide in it as he commands us, then we'll just keep coming back for our fill, right. just like the crowd who followed Jesus. Life-changing faith in Christ begins with hearing God's word and then following God's call, which happens when we follow God's son. They were so close, right on the cliff of it, but their motive was ill-intended. Their motive missed the mark. Yeah. And something you put into these show notes that is absolutely true is motive is the key. Yeah. And we have to check our motives. We follow Jesus not because of what he can give us, but rather because we understand that he alone can and will give us everything that we actually need. We were sitting over dinner talking about this very thing yeah. that if we str- if we're struggling in life, whether it's fin- this happened to be the context of our conversation. We were talking about financial struggles mm-hmm. and the conversation went to would you rather make your house payment or give your tithe. Yeah. And our response is, well, if you give your tithe, you'll make your house payment. Right. And even if it's not the house payment, we would rather be uncomfortable in this life and obedient to yes. God so that we can see the kingdom of God and continue to be transformed right. as we follow him in faith, as we follow God's son. One last thing here in uh, this part of our, our time together. John chapter six, verses 67 to 69. It says, you do not want to leave too, do you? Well, who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to his disciples as he's trying to send them out. He says, you don't want to leave me, do you? He asked the 12. Simon Peter answered on their behalf. And this would, is what I want my answer to be. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. In our commitment to reading God's word from start to finish, that's our motive. We come back over and over again, an open-ended commitment to reading it from start to finish. Why? Because these are the words of eternal life. Here is how we can understand water and spirit. What is Jesus trying to say to us? How can I be transformed? I want to see the kingdom of God. An open-ended commitment to scripture is following God's son. And so if we want to be transformed into the likeness of Christ, that is how we pursue it. That is how we walk out that transformation. And we find all of the answers in each step in that transformation in scriptures itself. And, you know, we are so committed in this podcast. We want to stay in Scripture. We want to know what the Bible says, what the Bible says. Yeah, yeah. Not what personal experience says. Right. Not what any other source says. But uh, I do want to just interject right here. Yeah. I feel like we can't talk about this without sharing just a quick testimony. Okay, I'm ready. And I wasn't even going to do it until you said we can fall into this cycle of Mm self-reliance. Well, how can I do that? The disciples, how are we supposed to feed all these people? Moses, are there even enough fish in the whole sea? Yeah. 
I feel like we saw this play out. You said miracles like this happen every day. Mm -hmm. We saw it with our own eyes. We experienced it. This has been several years ago, back in 2018. Our area was completely flooded in the aftermath of Hurricane Florence. I mean, Mm -hmm. you had water all the way into the second story of your home. It was the worst flood that our area has ever seen. And so we were a mobile church Mm -hmm. at the time. We were renting space at a local college. That college got taken over by FEMA to Mm -hmm. be a command center for relief operations. And so we are a mobile church. (laughs) We have nowhere to meet. And we're building a building Mm -hmm. that was a major faith step anyway. Right. So this was terrible timing. And major roads are shut. They're just completely closed. Yeah, over 200 roads in our county Mm -hmm. were completely shut down. And all we knew was the next right thing was to keep on worshiping God. Mm -hmm. And so we were building a building. We had a construction site with Mm -hmm. a half-built building. And so (laughs) we we rent tents and we set them up on this construction site and chairs. And we say... We'll just meet outside. If you can make it come. If you can make it come. If your roads are open, come. If you're not completely displaced from your home and having to live in another city temporarily, Mm -hmm. come. But we said, we've still got to feed God's people, right? We still have to serve. We still have to walk out the commission. And so that looked like meeting real needs, just Mm -hmm. like Jesus was doing here. Mm -hmm. And so we said, come, come worship and bring chicken bog. Yep. That's a South Carolina thing. We need to explain that, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like chicken and rice in a pot. And it, sausage. And sausage. And right. hot sauce. And, and hot cornbread. Sauce. And cornbread. <laughs> that makes it a Southern thing. That makes it a Southern thing. <laughs> so, you know, it's it, it's like spaghetti, right? It's a cheap way <laughs> yeah, to feed lots of lot. people. Right. So people come to this service, and, and not that many. There were maybe a hundred of us here. Yeah. Because so many people couldn't actually make it. Mm-hmm. So we're meeting on a construction site, worshiping God, bringing all this chicken bog, boxing it up in styrofoam plates, sending yep. people out to areas that are uh, difficult to access. I remember some of our people going in canoes yeah. to go take food, to take a warm meal to people. I absolutely canoed out of my house during that time. Yes, yeah. yes. And and so we just said, we're just going to feed our community. Mm-hmm. And what we saw, that happened on a Sunday afternoon yep. after an outdoor construction site worship service. And by that night, uh, some, some different companies Mm -hmm. in, in not even our area, not even in our state national Mm -hmm. companies said, Hey, we want to come in and help with relief work. And we see that here is a body of believers Mm -hmm. who was, who's willing to attempt it. Yeah. Right. Our feeble attempt to just send out, you know, a couple We're just hundred. breaking the loaves yes. and passing the baskets. And it was 300. It was mm-hmm. like 300 plates of chicken bog. We're able to make, send them out. This company goes, if we send mobile kitchens mm-hmm. and truckloads of food. And staff. And staff. Mm-hmm. Will you guys just help oversee it? Mm-hmm. And and by that night, our construction site yep. was filled with all of this equipment and food and people. Mm-hmm. And our team, our church members started working alongside these folks and started cranking out 3,000 meals a day. Yep. And this went on for almost a month Yep. until we were partnering with every local relief organization and, and our construction site yeah. for a displaced church became just a, a, a command center right. for operations to provide relief to the whole county. I'll never forget that service standing off to the side on what is now uh, a sidewalk, but at the time it was just dirt, and looking at the tent from behind our congregation. That was small. Yeah. 
And my husband and I standing to the side and Rick said to me, I'm so proud of our church. Yeah. That we are here today. Yeah. And it's it is a very real and practical this side of Calvary example of God going just past the baskets. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And 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 not self-reliance like we don't we don't have what it takes to help the whole county. Right. We'll do what we can. We'll use whatever resources available. And then God just multiplies it. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yep. Which is a perfect lead-in to our next, the final part of the cherry on top of this podcast. Yes. What it looks like to move from glory to glory um, and look at this acceptance and transformation while we sit and await the inheritance that Jesus will bring to us when yes. he returns. So you've looked at Moses and, and the call to him, feed the people. Right. And him going, how do I feed the people? Yep. Even Moses struggled with that faith, but I want you to see a key difference mm-hmm. between what we have access to right, and what Moses had access to. And this should really inform our need for transformation and what God has given us to achieve transformation. Well, this has to replace our desire for that immediate fulfillment. Yes. Right? That's the trade-off. That's the difference between acceptance and transformation. Acceptance looks like I'll take my immediate blessing. I'll take my immediate need being met. Yeah. Transformation says I will long for eternity because that's meeting my whole need. Right. Yes. So listen to this account about Moses when he has received the law of God. He's been in Mm -hmm. the presence of God. I mean, Scripture says that no person on earth had the kind of relationship that Moses had where God spoke to him face to face. And so we get a view of that in Exodus 34, verses 29 to 35. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant Mm -hmm. because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak to the Lord. Now, we're, we're talking transformation here. Moses' face was transformed. And I've always understood this account to mean he would come out from speaking with the Lord and have to veil his face right? because he was so shiny. Sure. He was so radiant that they were just couldn't look at him. People would be blinded by him. But that's not actually the picture we're getting here. And we find that out by reading the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. And we get to the New Testament. And I want you to see what 2 Corinthians 3, 12 and 13 has to say about this. And this is something we talk about a lot in this podcast, how we connect New Testament realities to Old Testament shadows. So maybe out in your Bible, out beside Exodus 34, you could write 2 Corinthians 3, 12 and 13, because here Paul addresses this, this account. And here's what he says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold, We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Right. 
(laughs) So the hope that Paul refers to here, the hope that makes us very bold, that is our new covenant that we enter into with Christ. It's being born again. It's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus he needed to do. Because when we believe in Christ, when we submit to him in baptism, when we repent of our sins and have those washed away, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that indwelling. See, Moses was covering his face not because it was too bright for the people to look at, but because his glory was fading. Right. Because that first covenant, Paul says, was transitory. Right. It was going away, coming to an end. So Moses would go into the presence of God. He would speak to God and he would come out lit up. Right. Because he had been face to face in God's presence, but away from God's presence that glory was fading because that glory was temporary. And Moses didn't want the people to see it fading away. Right. But we, we have this new covenant relationship with God where we are being transformed Mm -hmm. into the image of Christ with an ever increasing glory. Do I just need to accept it or do I need to be transformed? If you've, if you've accepted it and you've submitted to Christ, you are being transformed. And the fruit of that should be being born in your life every single day because our God reflected glory is Mm. now permanent, right? (laughs) Yeah. Because with the spirit dwelling in us, you have to be born of water and of spirit. We're constantly in God's presence. Right. Our glory isn't fading because we're never leaving him. Now, when Jesus Christ died on the cross at, at the moment of his death, here's what scripture says in Matthew 27, 51. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That is exactly the case with us. Yep. That veil has is been gone. torn, yep. right? Because the veil in, in this account in Matthew and, and in the day of Moses, when he would go in to speak to God, this veil or curtain separated the Holy of Holies in the temple or in the tabernacle. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. That was the place of God's presence. But the tearing of that curtain, mm-hmm. the splitting of that veil announced the end of the temple's role in atonement that was reconciling us to God because it was fully restored yeah. fellowship between God and man in Christ. So our face is now uncovered and Mm -hmm. the veil is removed so that all people are able to see our God recreated ever increasing glory. Yep. Man, that's powerful. Second Corinthians 3.18 puts it like this. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. Yep. I hope you're getting the full picture of this. With the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we are ever increasing in the glory of God that we're reflecting. We're no longer just bearers of His image. We are reflectors of His glory. And that glory is increasing because His Spirit is in us, and it is bringing us from glory to glory Mm -hmm. until our final restoration Yeah, when we're with God forever. When he returns or we awake in his presence, yes. whichever happens first, I, I think we both agree, let it be. So acceptance or transformation. Mm-hmm. It's clear from scripture that salvation is not a one and done right. moment or experience. Just I have a moment of acknowledgement. I saw the miracle and I believed. Right. It's a continual walk. 
in sanctification, which means we are daily being transformed into the image of Christ so that we not only bear God's image, but we also reflect God's glory and we reflect that glory in an ever-increasing measure. Right. One great way we can do that is by committing ourselves to His Word. That's what we talk about in this podcast Mm -hmm. all the time. Um, and, And as you're doing that, you're not going to be able to help it. Right. You're going to have to reflect the glory because you cannot even contain right. what is being poured into you. Well, the transformation that's happening yes. to you. And so as we come to a close in this, if you haven't already picked up the resource that Tina has put together for us, Step Into Scripture, you can grab that on Amazon. It's published by Renew.org. You can check it out there. It's 100% what this podcast is built around to help us tie these Old Testament uh, shadows to these New Testament fulfillments so that we can see the whole picture of God, the whole view of His story and all of His plan to redeem and restore all of His creation. Yeah. It's how we are transformed. It is through the living Word of God that brings us into this transformation when we are obedient to what it calls us to do. Acceptance Yes, required. Go ahead and check that. That's a check mark. Yeah. Being born again, absolutely required and very scripturally uh, presented to us. We see that all through scripture, and we've talked about it a lot today. Being born of water and spirit, and then being transformed by the word of God, letting it be uh, a living testimony to you that you sing in your life as you move from glory to glory. If you haven't picked up the resource, we hope that you will, and we hope that you'll continue to step through scripture with us because we've got a lot of great topics that we're going to hit throughout the rest of this season. That's it. And we will see you back to take on another question next week. See ya.